0: you've heard the story how well do you know the author the one behind the story who knows you and calls you by name how do you learn about this one who is shrouded in mystery each name of god in scripture provides important brushstrokes each with its distinctive hues and lines that ultimately combine to provide a compelling beautiful picture of the one true God. But be prepared, it will totally change what you think about God, and it will change your life. Hello Mountain, I'm glad you're with us, I'm glad you're with me, whether, whether you're at our Ballard campus or our Edgewood campus or here at Mountain Road. Welcome to, this is week four of our series. We're calling it A.K.A. God, also known as God. And we're, we're looking at the names of God. Um, names uh, in, in our culture today aren't always uh, assumed to be laden with super deep meanings. Mostly they're just labels for people and places. But And that's a good thing. Uh, especially, I was noticing there's some, uh, I ran across some funny Names of places that, these are actual names of towns. Like, I would, I think it's important if I lived in Ding Dong, Texas, that, that that wouldn't necessarily mean I was a Ding Dong. Ding Dong, Texas. I mean, what's a, <laughs> just think about that one. I just, as they were naming that. Where are you from? I'm from Ding Dong. <laughs> it just sounds, I'm a Ding Dong. My whole family, we's Ding Dongs. We Ding Dongians. Anyway, uh, their mascot is, uh. The dumbbells, the, the fighting dumbbells. You know, but th- there's another town called, uh, in England, which is maybe even worse, it's called Scratchy Bottom. <laughs> so what's it like when you meet someone from there? I'm from Scratchy Bottom. First time to Scratchy Bottom. Um, and There's a place in Missouri called Tightwad, Tightwad, which I don't think you want to be a waitress there. Um, another cheap tip. Uh, actually, a guy on our finance team, I was going to retire there, I believe, um, fit right in so a lot you know those those kind of names we don't assume that they have deep hidden meanings to them but we have to remember now that in the Bible uh, times in the culture in which the the Bible uh, um, events happened and in which the scriptures were written names were a huge deal and and there was attached to names this deep significance and it a name of someone was understood to contain like the essence of who they were their identity, their character. If you understood the name, you could know them. And of course, that's what we're trying to do in this series, isn't it? I want to just stop and remind you and, and invite you to open your... Don't harden your heart, but open your heart in the next little while to, because what we're trying to do is, is to, to say, Okay, wherever you are right now, as of today, in your relationship with God, God wants a relationship with you to go deeper you can you can move beyond knowing about God what God's name is but you can know God God wants to be in a relationship with you You know I I had uh I was very close to, to um one set of grandparents but on my mom's side I I I didn't get an opportunity to have a, a, a close relationship with my granddad. Now, he was a great granddad, but he lived far away, see? He wrote often and he sent stuff, but I, can, I don't think I only saw him a handful of times in my whole life. And uh, so I have pictures and stories, and I feel like I knew him, and he sent me stuff in the mail, and, and, and that's great. But as I look back, I realized, you know, when he died, especially in 1996, I realized now as an adult, I don't think I really knew him. You know what I'm saying? It was a relationship, but it wasn't very deep. Um, it wasn't really a fixture or a deep presence in my life. And I think for a lot of us, that's exactly how our relationship with God uh, can be sometimes. Uh, he, he, we have a relationship, it's just not very deep. You know, he's kind of far away, and we appreciate the things he sends, but not necessarily a daily presence. I could never go back and get to know my grandfather at this point. He's gone. But God and you can deepen your relationship. God wants there to be a deeper relationship than there is right now. And part of the, the, the way that that is accomplished is by you getting to know God. And that's w- the whole point of God revealing His names to us so that we will know Him so that the real God and the real you can be in a real relationship. As we said with this A.W. Tozer quote, the most important thing about a person is, is what comes into their mind when they think about God. What comes into your mind? That will determine your relationship. And so, this God who knows your name and wants you to know his name uh, we've been looking at. We started week one talking about the personal name of God which is Yahweh, this great I am. It means I be, I'm the eternal one, the beginning and the end. If God's name is I am, your name is what? I am not, right? Then week two we talked about God as Father uh, a reminder that whatever kind of father we've had in our own lives, God our Father is one who wants to adopt us into his own family through Christ and then present to us love on a consistent basis that's sometimes tough, but sometimes very tender. And then this last week, we saw um, this beautiful name for God, uh, Yahweh Yirah. Yahweh Yira, or Jehovah Jireh, as some would say, which means God is our provider. You know, Daddy, where's the lamb, as, as the boy said on the way up the hill? When we find something in our life that's lacking, God is the one who comes through right on time. Doesn't always come when you want him, but he's always right on time. Now this week, we're going to see yet another uh, part of God's self that He graciously reveals to us through another name. And I believe it it is one that can really significantly enrich your walk with God. But first, let me ask you a question. Uh, what, What do you need? I mean, when it really comes down to it in life, what do you truly need? It's kind of a Interesting question, a little bit loaded question, you may not even like the question. You know, This week in Time Magazine, they, they had a series of articles about homes of the future and it, it had a whole section on all these gadgets and gizmos that right now are kind of out there, only the cutting edge cool people will have these newfangled things, but you get the feeling that one day, almost every item on the list is going to be in our, oh, I, I, that's a need, I've got to have that list, right? That's kind of how it works that way. Um, there there's, there's the programmable pet food dish that doles out the right amount of food at the right time. You just put it in the hopper and set the timer so you don't have to bend down and put a dish out for Rex or Rover, right? And uh, I, I don't think they make one for cats. Um, since they don't care about people, why should we care about them? Um, then there's a Bluetooth Enabled toothbrush which finally I've been waiting for this because it tracks it tracks your toothbrushing habits and offers hygiene tips You don't have to look in the mirror to see if there's spinach in your teeth You can just read your little readout and it says there's spinach in your teeth I guess I don't know how it works There's a little dealy bob you stick in your plants And it, it monitors the moisture in your plants so you don't have to wait around for your plant to wilt That's when I water mine when it, I'm practically dead then I water it um, but no, you don't have to do that anymore. It waters it for you. And all these stuff you can do with your smartphone. From your smartphone, you can lower your shades. So you don't have to get your rear end out of, out of the couch. You just kind of sit there and lower it from, you know, just sit there and, and do that. From your smartphone, you can do all kinds of things. You'll be, answer, you'll be able to answer your doorbell when you're not home. So let, let's say you're in Ding Dong, Texas, and your house doorbell goes ding dong. You can say, I'm in Ding Dong, but I hear you just, whatever. You do get the idea. Um, you can control your lights, your stereo, your thermostat, your crock pot, your rice maker, everything from your smartphone. And so right now it kind of sounds like, oh, those are all fancy extras. You know, all that. We don't need really need that. But, you know, we used to say that about the microwave and, the, and our ice makers, didn't we? And our refrigerators, for that matter. And electricity, for that matter. See how it works? But it's interesting. In the same magazine, there was an article about a woman uh, who went through this divorce and she lost her home. And, uh, but what she did is she went out and bought a flatbed trailer and built a little tiny micro home. Here's a picture of Nancy uh, Macy Miller's home. She moved from her 2,500-square-foot house to her new house, which is less than 200 square feet. And she, like, she used a garden hose for her water faucet and doesn't use any heat because by the time she turns the computer on and holds her baby and lives, sits there with her Great Dane, it heats up the whole house. And you know, a lot of people are looking at it and going, well, I wear, I give me the plans for that. Because I think a lot of people are starting to say, you know, I don't know if I need all this stuff. I don't need a big house. So it gets you to thinking, doesn't it? When I look at my whole life, what do I, what do I really need? What's, what's enough? And this name for God that we're looking at today is God's way of answering that question for us about what we need. This is one of this most beautiful names of God that he shares with us is El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Would you want to say that with me? El Shaddai. That's the Hebrew. El Shaddai. Here's how it looks in Hebrew. If you interested kind of look at the Hebrew characters sometimes. Of course, in Hebrew remember now, we read from the right to the left, so you look over there on the right, that thing looks kind of like an X, that's the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, and it's pronounced like an A sound, and that that spells that word L. that's the first part. And the second part, it looks like a W, that's actually the letter called Sheen, it's got an SH sound, and that's the Shaddai part right there, and this is such a rich name. It's got such a depth of meaning and, and layers to it, but basically El Shaddai means God Almighty the one who is all-sufficient, the the God who is powerful and good enough to supply everything that is needed. So, basically, uh, in your Bibles, whenever you see the words translated in English, God Almighty with a capital G and capital A, that's the name El Shaddai. El Shaddai. So if you want a real relationship with the real God, what you need to know, what God wants you to know, is that this Yahweh, eternal I am God, who is also your father, who is also your provider, wants you to know he is also El Shaddai. God Almighty is enough and he is all you need. Now this name, El Shaddai, it's uh, it's one of the most... It's a widely used name in the Old Testament. It appears about 48 times. Its first occurrence we want to look at right now. Uh, open your Bible, if you would, to Genesis chapter 17. First book of the Bible, chapter 17, right? So flip your Bible app open or your iPad, whatever you got, uh, U version on your phone. And, uh, but first, I want to back up a second and go back to Genesis 12. We keep coming back to this pivotal moment we've talked about a number of times, so important. This is where God first shows up and makes this promise to Abram. That he's going to give him a family and through that family he's going to bless the whole world. That's where the whole story really gets its momentum. But before he gives him a promise, he gives him a command and it starts there in chapter 12 of Genesis and the first thing God says to Abram is leave. Nice. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord, and there's all capital, so that's the name Yahweh. Yahweh said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So there's this guy Abram. He's in his post-retirement years. He's about 75 years old. Abram works in his father's business and his father was an idol maker. So this is what Abram does. He buys and sells and makes idols. Um, And there's always someone in the market for a little god, so... He's doing well. Sarah is doing well. They, you know, I picture him living in a retirement community. They play bingo on Thursday nights. Things are going great. You know, and then are golden years winding down. And God comes in, busts into his life abruptly, and says, Leave it all. Everything familiar to you, everything you've built up, all of all of this, your your family, your culture, your routine, your shuffleboard club, the whole deal, leave it. Go. To some place I'm going to show you. And Abram says. Okay. Which I guess is why we call him the father of our faith. Imagine the conversation that night in the bedroom. Ah, uh, Sarah, in the morning I need your help loading the camels. We're moving. Where? Don't know. Well, if we don't know, how are you going to know when you get there? I guess we'll stop. Why? God told me. What God? It's a diff- this is a real God. His name's Yahweh. I just know we need to do this. Something about having a family and blessing the whole world. And they go. It's amazing faith because Abraham, when you think about it, he had, he had what everybody was trying to get. He's hungry, though, maybe for something more. And he senses maybe that this promise-making, demanding God might offer what he's looking for, something that he doesn't have but truly needs. Remember, he sold idols. Uh, His little family, they make and sell these little figurines, these, I don't know, little fat guys sitting cross-legged with a smile on their face or what they were, magic necklaces, trinkets, charms, and none of them had ever done anything for anybody. He has to know that. He has to one day look in the mirror and just say, what am I doing? That's right. the best job in the world, if you ask me, is what we get to do. And that is introduce people to a real God who can actually make their life better. Help them. Love them. Change their destiny. Eternally. The worst job would be selling a bunch of fake gods. The Worst job in the world would be... The worst place in the world, maybe some of you know what I'm talking about, would be to be caught up in this business of just having God in a little box. Going along, playing the religious game. But deep down, nobody really believes any of it that much or thinks it could really change anything because you don't really believe in any of those gods. Maybe that's right where you are. Maybe Maybe there's a little part of you that's finally tired of that version and you just wonder if you might be able to have a God bust into your life, no matter how good it's going, and call you to something big and real. Well, that's what Abraham got himself into. He said, yes, sign me up. And off they go. And so they're there, and her tummy's getting a little bigger, but not because she's pregnant. She's just getting older. And so 10 years passed. No baby. And instead some tough circumstances. So he's 85 years old. He's getting a little weary. How about this whole family thing, God? What's up with that? How's this going to happen? He says to the Lord, God, I did my part. I left my homeland. I did everything. I stepped out in faith. And since then, it's not exactly been a cakewalk over here in the promised land. I mean, there's been a famine in the land. I almost lost my wife to Pharaoh. I've been in a couple of wars, which was not cool. My nephew got kidnapped. My, my wife, Sarah, is still barren and so discouraged about not having a baby. She's trying to get me to sleep with someone else so we can have a baby. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, Lord, but it's been 10 years. You said I'm going to be a great nation. We don't even have a kid yet. My slave is going to inherit all my stuff. What gives? I'm not getting any younger. And Sarah, if you understand, she's not exactly a spring chicken either. So can you really blame Abram for that kind of response? Have you ever been in a place like that where you just want to ask God, did you forget about what you promised? Where you start wondering maybe, am I crazy for believing all this and trying to do the right thing? Maybe it's a waste of time trying to follow God. Because I don't, I don't see everything falling into place. And I, you know, so Abram is in this place. Questioning and wondering. Maybe you've been there. And That is the very moment when God comes and reveals himself by this name we're looking at today. Genesis 17 when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord, there's, that's Yahweh, Yahweh appears to him and says, I am God Almighty. I'm El Shaddai, Abram. So you just keep serving me faithfully. You live a good and upright life, and I will confirm my covenant. I'm going to keep my promise. I will confirm my covenant to you, and I will give you a huge family. There it is, El Shaddai, God Almighty. I know you're worried right now, Abram. I know you think I've forgotten. I know you don't, but you don't understand something about me. My, my very name is El Shaddai. I am a God who's almighty, and I am enough, and I am a promise-keeping God. I'm going to be faithful. I'll keep this. You, your job is to you keep being faithful. Friends, this is the real God. I don't know if it's the God that you would be if you were God, but you're not God. If you want to be a real relationship with the real God, this is it. And he wants to know if you can be faithful and trust him when when your life is hard. Maybe you're like Abraham. You're, you feel like you're in the middle of stepping out in faith or you're waiting on God for something. Not sure if he's going to keep his promise. But this God comes in our moments of frustration, anxiety, concern, uncertainty, reveals himself as El Shaddai. I'm a promise keeping God, I'm God Almighty. I'm faithful, you be faithful. I am enough and I am all you need. So there's the name, El Shaddai. Now, I'm going to talk about a couple of really cool parts of this name that will help us understand how to deepen our relationship with God. This name, El Shaddai, uh, is made up of two Hebrew words, El and Shaddai. El, the first one, El, is used like 200 times in the Bible. It's just a name that means ultimate supreme being. It's a, it's a name that means God itself. And it's used very often in a kind of, as a prefix, put into a compound word to sort of magnify another aspect of God. So you have all these other names of God that are like El and something else. So you've got El Elyon, which means God Most High. He's the most high of all the other gods. You've got El Roy, which means you've got Yahweh Sees. We're going to actually talk about that another time. Um, El Olam, El, got all these different names. And that's, that's the, the way that we are today with El Shaddai. Now what's interesting and probably a little surprising is that even though this name of God conveys all this strength and this big, majestic, strong, God Almighty, promise-keeping God, the second part of the name, Shaddai, comes from a Hebrew word, Shad. And the meaning of that word, Shad, may surprise you. It may even embarrass some of you. I don't know. But that word, Shad, means mother's breast. That's what, that's what the word is. It refers to this mother's ability to nurse and nourish and feed and sustain her child. Here's a a picture of one of those tender exchanges and those moments that every one of us has witnessed. A mother nursing her child and it evokes all these emotions just to see it and to kind of experience it. The Bible uses this powerful image this intimate picture of a baby nuzzling up and closely drawn to its mother totally dependent on her for nourishment, for comfort, for sustenance and even survival. And this, God says, this is what I am to you. I am your El Shad. I. In Isaiah chapter 49, the people are feeling very, very sad. They're very depressed about a lot of things. They're convinced God doesn't care. In verse 14, the people cry out, The Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh's forsaken me. He's forgotten me. I don't like the way... Uh, the, the, you, have you ever said a prayer like that? Have felt that way? They're hurting. They don't think God cares. And God has an amazing answer for them. In Isaiah 49, God, God says, Well, can a mother forget the baby at her breast? And just like stop having compassion of, of the child she's born? Even if a mother could, I could never forget you. So you see how God here and in many other places, compares himself to this nursing mother who loves that little child like herself and, and holds that baby close because she knows this little one needs me. Is the mom who's nursing Right in the middle of nursing, going to hear the doorbell ring and then get up and knock the kid on the floor and go answer the door forget all about the kid? No. You know, as a mother who hasn't fed that kid in a few hours, here's the kid crying from the crib. Wow, wow, wow. Is the mother just going to say, I have no idea why Junior is crying? No, she knows. You're not going to forget. She, they've so closely bonded. She carried that little one inside of her for nine months. Which she ate, Junior ate, Right? And now that he or she is out, still latched onto her half the time, it seems like, clutching at her hair, cooing at her voice, putting her little fingers around her fingers, smelling her breath, and listening to her coos and her tones. And there's, there's nothing more tragic than when you see a baby lying in the dirt somewhere without a mother. There's nothing more natural and beautiful than when a mother scoops up that child in a protective embrace and, and, and lets it begin to suckle this feeding. Never out of her sight. Always in her care. She'll never forget. God says, that's how I am to you. I'll never forget you. I know that you may be crying out in the night. I know you may feel starved. I know, I know, I know all of these things. I know that you need me and I am all you need. Your very life draws strength from me like a protective mother for you. I am El Shaddai. I. God is our nourisher, our sustainer, the all-sufficient one, God Almighty, who says, I am enough and I am all you need. Which is pretty important for us to think about when we get all convinced that we're self-sufficient and get through life on our own. Well, one day we all figure out we're not so self-sufficient. When we're an old, when we're an old person or whatever, whatever moment we come at our, our death and we face God, we realize we're just very dependent on God. We can't, we're not self-sustaining at all. And this is a reminder that not only is God like a nursing mother, we're like a nursing baby and are dependent on God. Wow, thank you, God, for being such an amazing El Shaddai God. See, last week we talked about Yahweh Yira. Remember that, Jehovah Jireh? Some like to say it that way. Which means God's our provider. And that's awesome. We heard all these stories about how God provides the right things at the right time. And those are amazing stories. But we've got to be careful that we don't begin to think of God as like this great big vending machine in the sky that sort of comes through to get us out of binds when we're desperate or primarily provides our our material things that we want. Before long, if we're not careful, we put God right back in a little box, if we think of Him that way. So El Shaddai helps us see that, that God isn't only the God who wants to provide stuff that we want and then we happen to call our needs. Ultimately, the most important thing that God provides us with and the point of all the other provision stuff of our food and our health and our homes and our salvation and our relationships are all the things we count as blessings. The reason for all of that is to provide us with the one thing that we truly need and that is himself. Himself. That's what El Shaddai is. God saying, I am all you need. Not I'll give you what you want. You say, well, what's the most important thing that a mother provides for her baby? You might say, well, milk. Baby can't live without milk. Okay, right, milk. All right, good. Or someone might say, touch, you know, because all these studies show how important it is for the touch of a baby. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the most important thing a mother provides for her baby is herself. Being there. Nourishing, sustaining. The baby's life depends on this caregiver. And that's what God says, I am for you. And I will be with you. Yahweh will be with you. I'm all you need. This, this may make sense to you. Let me show a picture. I'm going to put a picture on the screen of some guy. You tell me if you know who it is. Call it out out loud if you know who this is. Go ahead and put the picture up there. Yeah, somebody in front row right knows. Yep. That's Bear Grylls, all right? Bear Grylls, he's this British adventurer guy, star of the TV show Man vs. Wild. And if you ever watch that show, he's always out in the middle of some horrific, harrowing, place out in the middle of the ocean or out in the desert or someplace in the cold and and he's figuring out how he can survive in the wilderness and he he knows how to do it man i mean, this guy does some crazy stuff he like eats bugs and drinks his own urine and makes a boat out of twigs or whatever it's crazy but he just knows how to not die basically is what he does best seems like a really awesome guy who could survive anywhere what's interesting is now in stores you can start finding all this officially sanctioned Bear Grylls um, endorsed products, right? So you can go buy these kind of things. Like here is a picture. You can get the Bear Grylls official knife set, okay? Just sort of carry that around with you. I, you know, I went and picked up one of these. This is the official Bear Grylls basic survival kit, which I got to thinking, why did I get a basic? If you want a survival kit, get the deluxe. Don't get the basic. Well, how stupid is that? It's like, oh, I'm not sure I want to survive. Just get the basic, honey. You know, I don't know. Of course, you can't get this open. There's a knife in there, but you can't get at the knife. You're going to die. I, I would die out there, like, you know, I just can't get it open. But there's, there's, uh, there's, there's snare wire, emergency cord, waterproof matches, fire starter, a little tiny knife. I don't know. It's about that big, like a pen knife in there, but whatever. So here's the deal I could buy every one of these products that Bear Grills. Approves. I could watch every one of his shows. I could listen to every Bear Grylls talk he ever gives and have his poster on my wall at home, right? But here's what I know. If I just so happen to find myself out in the middle of nowhere, in the wilderness somewhere, in some desert or some God-forsaken part of our planet, Antarctica or whatever, I could have with me as that real bear is about to attack me or whatever, I could have with me all that equipment. But you know what I really want at that moment? I want bear grills. That's what I want. I want bear grills with me. I don't care about, you know, I don't want his packet. I want bear grills because if that guy's with me, I'm feeling a whole lot better about the situation, right? I just might survive. That's what El Shaddai is saying to us. I'm glad you like my stuff. Let me give you what you really need. Me. You know the number one promise in Scripture? It's, prom- it's, it's said more than any other Scripture promise. God's saying, I will be with you. In fact, it's His very name. It's part of what Yahweh means. I will be with you. Jesus came to prove it. And then before He left, He left His Spirit. I'm going to leave my spirit with you. And before He left, Jesus says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Better than Bear grills. Having God with us. So you may not be in a literal wilderness, but you might be in a desert place. You might be pretty dry spiritually. And what you need is not a new bible verse or some 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 object of God's blessing. You need God. You need the God behind the verse, in the verse. Don't you? You need the Lord with you. And you may not be chased by a real bear, but you might be being hounded by temptation that's about to get you, or some evil thing is coming into your life, and you can't. You're vulnerable and weak, or you're out in a place where you don't know how you're going to make it. You need God. God says, "That's who I am. I'm with you. I'm El Shaddai. I'm God Almighty. I'm enough, and I am all you need. And I will be with you always." Now there's one more part of this name that I want to tell you that's almost the flip, flip side and it's so cool, it's so rich. When you look at the, the root of this word in the original languages and it comes from Akkadian and, and a lot of the religions in those days considered mountains as religious places and they made gods out of mountains and so forth. So it, it makes sense that sometimes El Shaddai is translated God the mountain one god mountain mountain God, it's cool, isn't it? Not only because it happens to be the name of our church, but it's cool because it reminds us that God is like that, like a God is a mountain who is strong and majestic, kind of all you ever lived in a place where there was a mountain surrounding the city where or visited a place like that where, where it's always there looming over the whole landscape of the place and it never leaves your consciousness. Here, uh, um, you know, Nathan and Aaron McData on our staff here, they lived in, near Puebla, Mexico for a long time when they did some ministry there. Here's a picture of Cholula, their town where they lived. And here's the mountain, Popocatapetl, right outside of their, of their city. This is what they saw every single day. Isn't that beautiful? Everybody, why don't you say the name of that mountain with me? Popocatapetl. Turn to your neighbor and say, Popocatapetl. Yeah. Now you know why they call it popo. When you live there, you live in the shadow of that thing. It's just always there and and you never forget it. Sometimes you just stop and you look up and you go, wow, it's beautiful. You stare at the snow-capped peak or whatever. But some days you're just busy, you're doing what you're doing, but you're kind of always subtly aware that it's there. It's just kind of framing up your whole reality. That's a mountain. One time I was doing a preparing to do a funeral for a family. I didn't know the man very well. He was like a patriarch in his family. And I asked his family, I said, tell me about Bill. They began to say things like, oh, Bill was, Bill was always there. Bill was like a fixture in our family. I, I can't believe he's gone. They said things, you know, everybody always looked up to Bill. Bill, Bill was like the foundation of, of this whole tribe. And then Bill died. They were lost. They didn't know what to do. You know what that's like? To have something that's a fixture in your life, kind of a mountain like thing, and then it's gone. You know, so it might have, might have been a job, or your kids go off to school or something, or, or a parent. Maybe a career or a talent you used to have. So those are these mountains that make us feel protected. You know that, that was Bill. Then Bill died. Bill always dies. I, I shared a scripture with that family. I want to share it with you right now. Psalm 46. Because it reminds us that whatever mountain you have in your life... If it's a someone or something other than God, it's going to crumble into the sea one day, but that's okay. You don't have... You're, you're not because God is the mountain. Verse 46, chapter 46 of Psalms says, God alone is our real refuge and strength in life. He's the true mountain who is ever-present, always there to help us in trouble. Therefore... We will not fear. You don't have to be afraid even though the earth give way, even though those things we thought of as mountains, fall and crumble and tumble into the heart of the sea. Friends, that's the amazing truth about God, is that even though Bill dies, when he dies, and when that happens, our God is still standing. He's a mountain, and a tower, and a refuge, and a strength, and a help in present times, and in trouble. So when you're going through that divorce, when your parents die, when you're getting bullied at school, when whatever is happening, God is a mountain who's always there. Now some days it's fogged over, you can't even see it, but it doesn't mean he's not there. He is there. He's El Shaddai. Bill dies. God doesn't. And that's why verse chapter 46, after it says, El Sh- you know, that about God as a mountain, a few verses later in verse 10 it says, so you can be still and know that I am God. Just chillax quit fretting and fussing and worrying know that I am God the the Lord almighty there's that name El Shaddai El Shaddai is with us better than bare grills friends this is the God who wants a real relationship with the real you El Shaddai just got word this morning that a good friend of mine learned that her father died So that happens. His name isn't Bill, but he was a mountain in her life. And that happens for all of us. And then one day we just start figuring out what we really need and what we, what we can and can't take with us. And at the end of the day, you're not going to put very much in your spiritual suitcase, friends. The only thing you'll take with you is your relationship with God. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. So it really does matter what comes into your mind when you think about God. Because if you have the wrong image in your head, you're going to probably not want to be in a relationship with Him. But if you know the real God, then the real you just might dare to come into a real relationship with God. And then when it comes time to pack your suitcase, you'll have that relationship with God in there. Sometimes. In life. All you have is God. God says, that's enough. I'm all you need. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for giving us yourself. We thank you for all the blessings very often. We sometimes remember to do that. I guess sometimes we forget, but we thank you for blessings and material things and and homes and relationships that are important to us and all those things. But Lord, in a moment like this, we just remember, we don't take any of that with us. The only thing that we really do is you and so we thank you for giving us yourself. We thank you that you are El Shaddai, like a mother who nourishes us, who's with us always and like a mountain who's always there. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.